What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. As you guys know, I'm Tyler, and this is a Thanksgiving bonus edition of the show. With people out Christmas shopping on Black Friday and still enjoying family time, I'm not sure exactly how many of you will actually listen to this show, but I did have some spare time today to kind of put together a little bit of a preview of Georgia Tech. I didn't think I was going to have time, and I honestly really just wanted to relax and enjoy the holiday this week. But I kind of had this little incessant voice in the back of my head telling me I just had to do this show because in my strange little world that I live in, if I don't do this preview show, it means I'm not taking tech seriously. And if I don't take them seriously, then our team won't take them seriously. I know, ridiculous. I get it, obviously. But that's how superstitions work. You know they're ridiculous, but you do them anyway. So with the superstitious side of me, along with wanting to get some extra content for you guys, you diehard fans that are here listening to the show today, I figured why not have a little bit of spare time. Let's go ahead and make this show happen. So today what I'm going to do, since Curtis is not here on the show with me, he's traveling back after the holidays. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do exactly what I did last week on the preview show and give you 10 things you need to know about Georgia Tech in this week's matchup with the Jackets. We got some good feedback on it last week, so I figured why not? Let's go ahead and give it another shot today. So uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into this top 10 list. And we're going to start, we're going to have some fun with this to start things off, and then we'll get into more of the on the field stuff. But number one, the number one thing you need to know about Georgia Tech is that Tech sucks. They lie, they cheat, they have no souls. All nerds were put on this earth for the sole purpose of reminding us how great it is to be a Georgia Bulldog. And if our recent dominance of the series has caused your hate for Tech to abate in any way, I strongly urge you to reconsider that. I mean, all you need to do is think back to the last time we lost them. It was here in Athens. Think back to that. Think back to how insufferable those people were for a full year. They are terrible people, and they deserve no mercy. So let's not forget that. That's got to be number one on the list of things to know about Georgia Tech. Number two, their new head coach, Geoff Collins. I, I know it's Jeff, guys. I get that, but I'm going to go with Geoff on this show. Geoff Collins, he is in the midst of what I would classify as an extended midlife crisis. That's pretty clear to me. He doesn't wear socks. He inexplicably thinks man capris are a good, like, everyday look. The man wore a freaking ATLian shirt to his press conference this week, for Christ's sake. He's almost 50 years old. Uh, and an ATLians, like, if you don't know what that is, that's the title of a 1996 Outcast album. Dude. Uh, Outcast, okay, they were cool and all in the 90s, like maybe the early 2000s, but you are almost a 50-year-old man. And no, by the way, like no 17 to 18-year-old kid even knows who Outcast is anymore. Trust me, I work with him. You are trying too hard. I mean, seriously, Colin's like, he's the dad who thinks he's just so cool, trendy, hip, whatever you want to call it, and he tries so hard at it but he just doesn't realize that everyone is pointing and laughing at him behind his back and that he's just one big joke. It's like he's the only one not in on the joke and like no one has the heart to tell him because he's just trying so hard to fit in. Well, I have the heart, Geoff. Stop it. You are ridiculous. Uh, So that's number two. Number three, we need to take a moment and just say rest in peace to Waffle House. Uh, It was a good run. It was a great run. Waffle House, uh, I make no bones about it. They were a major part of my childhood growing up. Some of my best memories as a kid were eating there with my dad, getting a waffle and a cheese omelet before my Little League football games every Saturday morning. But as great as those memories were, 
Waffle House, it must now be dead to us all. It's just reality. The, and if you guys aren't in on this, you know, you, I'm sure you guys have all heard this, that the founder, owner of Waffle House, he's a tech grad, and now with Collins coming in, they have gone full in on tech. Uh, so all self-respecting Georgia fans, it's time for all of us to put our forks down and just say no to Waffle House. Uh, from now on, I'm a Crackle Barrel pancake guy, and that's just the way it's going to be. So you got to just say no to Waffle House. It sucks. Waffle House has been, uh, like I said, a big part of my life as a kid, but uh, no more. Just can't let it happen anymore. Uh, but anyway, all right, on to number four. All right, enough fun with that. We had a little fun with that, but let's talk some actual ball. The next thing you need to know about this tech football team is that they are 3-8 and eight with losses to both the Citadel and Temple. They uh, they are bad, guys. They are a bad, bad football team. I'll give you a couple numbers here to give you some context on just how bad they are. So yes, again, 3-8, and eight, lost to the Citadel at home, lost to Temple, which, oh, by the way, is the American Conference team that they hired Jeff Collins, Geoff Collins from. So uh, not a good look for him. But on top of that, like Tech has been outscored by a total of 144 points on the year. They've been outgained by a total of 1,278 yards. That's just abysmal, guys. They are quite simply terrible. I just can't say any more simply than that. They are a terrible, terrible football team. Uh, but the fifth thing you need to know is that while, yes, they do suck, I have to admit they've been playing their best football of late. Now, that's all relative. Of course, it's all relative. But they have been playing better football the past couple of weeks, which is to be expected. You know, a team with a new coach, new coaching staff, new culture they're trying to build, they're going to get better as the year progresses. You saw that with our team in 2016 when Kirby first got here. So you're seeing that too, maybe a lesser degree with Tech, but they are improving. Uh, They only have three wins on the year, but two of those three wins have come in the last five games. And two of their three losses over the last five games have been, uh, are games where they've been outscored by an average of seven points. Now that does gloss over a 45-0 beatdown by Virginia Tech on the flats a few weeks ago. Don't want to completely just gloss over that, but outside of that beatdown loss, uh, the other two losses over the last five games have been by an average of seven points. So they're getting better. They're getting closer, I guess, is what you could say. Um, But the sixth thing to know about this Georgia Tech team is that they are just absolutely flat-out terrible on offense. Like, like it's an absolute joke how bad they are on offense, especially through the year. Now, the first part of the year, I mean, I'm, I remember going back in the first game of the year, if you guys remember, uh, to uh, kind of kick off things on the ACC network, it was Clemson versus Georgia Tech. What a matchup, right? But I guess if you're the ACC, those are the kind of matchups that you have to work with. I mean, that's just the conference. That's what it is. But anyway, going back to that game... I was excited to watch it because it's the first game this season. I wanted to check out ACC Network. I was just kind of curious at what Tech would look like transitioning from the triple option offense. And they guys, they were they were bad in that game. Their offense was like, oh my God, like gouge my eyes out type bad. And that's kind of been the story of the season for Georgia Tech. And that probably, again, should have been expected. We all talked about how difficult the transition was going to be from the triple option offense to a more modern spread type offense that Collins wants to eventually get to. They just didn't have the personnel. I mean, they didn't have a tight end on the roster. They had to go out and try to get some grad transfer tight ends. He did get a grad transfer from... uh, 
from UConn, and he's been all right. But like, I mean, come on, guys, they just they haven't been able to throw the football at all. And in that in the first part of the year, going back to that that game against Clemson, they they really they had no idea what they were doing at quarterback with Tobias Oliver. It was really just kind of a spread version of the option. They weren't even trying to throw the football. If they threw the football, it was like a little screen pass or a little now pass. That's about all that they were doing. But they did make the change to James Graham at quarterback. You know, about three or four games in the season. I think after the loss to the Citadel, and he has he's been better. He's been more of at least like a a passing threat you have to at least think about, but make no mistake about it. The offense is still terrible. There's still a lot of trouble throwing the football down the field. Uh, They are 123rd nationally in total offense, averaging under 300 yards a game, right at 299 yards a game, and 122nd nationally in passing offense. So those numbers completely back up what I was just telling you guys. They are horrific offensively, 130 teams nationally. They're 123rd in total offense and 122nd in passing offense. Um, Here's some more numbers, just a little bit more context to just how bad they've been trying to throw the football throughout the season. They've only completed more than 50% of their passes in 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 a game four times in their 11 games this season. They've only thrown for 200 plus yards in two of their 11 games. And on the flip side, have thrown for under 150 yards in seven of their 11 games. So just any way you slice it, guys, they're terrible on offense and they are struggling mightily still today to throw the football with any sort of consistency. But saying that, they, they do have a couple of like at least decent options at wide receiver that we need to pay attention to because they, they are able to make plays if they get out there in space. And the first guy you got to look at, really, I don't want to say the only guy, but the biggest guy you got to watch for on their offense uh, at the receiver position is a guy named Amarion Brown, who's a little dude. He's only 5'10", 155 pounds at wide receiver, but right now he leads the team in in basically every receiving category in receptions, yards, touchdowns. He's got 20 catches on the year for just a little under 400 yards and seven touchdowns. He's also their big play guy, averaging 19.3 yards per catch at a pretty big game. Caught a couple touchdowns against NC State uh, about a week and a half ago when they played on Thursday night. So they have certainly struggled to throw the football. They're still struggling to throw the football. But if there's a guy to watch out for in the passing game, it is a Marion Brown guy. Know where he is on every single snap because he is their playmaker when they do try to go to the air. And before we move on to our next question, I do want to remind you guys quickly about our good friends at Vivid Seats. There's still plenty of time to get tickets for this weekend's game on the flats against the Yellow Jackets. All you got to do is go to Vivid Seats today. They have plenty of printed home options, got great prices, great selection. You'll find exactly what you're looking for. In my first of three Thanksgiving celebrations earlier this week with one part of my family, I had uh, a member of my family mention he was still looking for tickets. It was interesting going to the game. He thought it was late notice, thought it might be too late to get some tickets. But I just pointed him in the direction of Vivid Seats, and boom, within about 10 minutes, he found exactly what he was looking for, got some tickets, and he will be down there in Atlanta, fully clad in red and black, cheering on our dogs. Vivid Seats has also started a new rewards loyalty program where you can earn credits back. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, and you'll be automatically enrolled in their Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. And when it's time to buy, all you have to do is, as a new user, enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. 
All right, next up, number seven on our list, the seventh thing you need to know about this Georgia Tech team is that while they have struggled to throw the football all year long, they've been at least decent running the football, and that is clearly what they want to do. For instance, they only threw the ball 15 times against NC State, and that's not really uncommon for them throughout the year. Uh, but as far as running the football, they're 71st nationally, averaging 157 yards a game. So look, guys, that's not that's not great, but that's at least like somewhat respectable. Like that's right about average. The 130 teams nationally, they're 71st. So a, like slightly below average around the football, but that, that's clearly what they want to do. Uh, when they run the football, Jordan Mason is their top back. He's a tough physical back that will fight for extra yards. I really kind of like watching him play. I hate saying that about anyone that, that wears those colors, but he's a, he, he's kind of a throwback running back where he'll run between the tackles with some physicality. He'll fight for extra yards. And uh, those are the kind of backs that I actually do like to watch. He's got 862 yards on the year, five and a half yards per carry. Not an overly explosive back, but again, tough physical guy. They'll pick up some yards between the tackles and keep them ahead of the change, which is where they have to be if you factor in how bad they've been trying to throw the football. Uh, but, you know, James Graham, he's also a guy that they want to get involved in their run game from the quarterback position. He really, really hurt NC State two weeks ago in their win over the Wolfpack. He ran for over 100 yards in that game, and some of them were scrambles. Some of them were design runs. They still have plenty of, des of design runs for him, but some of them were also scrambles. Where he, dropped back to, he drops back to pass, and they got out of their rush lanes. They didn't have a guy spying him. He took off, and he made some plays and converted some third down, some third long situations that really, really ended up hurting NC State in that game, because NC State, is they're not a good football team, but they're better than Tech. But somehow they end up losing that game, and James Graham was a big part of the reason why, especially with his legs, of why Tech was able to find a way to beat NC State a couple weeks back. And also, when you talk about their running game, while Tech, like they, they don't run the triple option anymore per se, but they still very much run an offense that's based largely on option principles when they try to run the football. The option principles are built into what they do. Uh, they got the dive man, the pitch man, quarterback run, all of that stuff. The big difference is that they're doing it from the spread. They're operating out of shotgun. But make no mistake about it, you'll see a lot of option-based principles on Saturday when Tech tries to run the football, and we've got to be prepared for that. Uh, we've got to play discipline. you got to play smart. You've got to do your job just like you do when you're playing the true triple option. If they're going to incorporate those option principles into their spread look now, we've got to incorporate option rules with what we do defensively against this team. It doesn't look the exact same, but those principles are still very much a part of what they do offensively. All right, the next thing you need to know about this Georgia Tech team is that, man, they are just not an explosive offense. And that does not bode well for them because they're going to need to hit some explosive plays. And I'm talking like multiple explosive plays to have a chance to win this football game on Saturday. Uh, for instance, they're 118th nationally in plays of 20-plus yards. They are just not hitting chunk plays with any sort of consistency at all. And on the flip side, what really sucks for them, not only are they not hitting explosive plays at all, 118th nationally, but we are 8th nationally in surrendering plays of 20-plus yards and actually 2nd nationally in surrendering plays of 30-plus yards, having only given up 8 of those type plays all year long. What that means to me when you look at those statistics is that to win this game, Tech is likely, at least based on the stats for both teams through 11 games, they're likely going to have to find a way to consistently string together enough long drives to beat us. And honestly, guys, going back to what I was talking about their offense earlier, an offense that's 123rd nationally, averaging only at 299 yards a game. We don't give up big plays. They don't hit big plays. I find it really hard to believe that they're going to be able to consistently...
string together enough long drives to find a way to beat us in this game. They might put together one or two, maybe it's possible, but to put together five, six, seven, that's going to take to beat us on Saturday. I just don't know if I see that happening. So offensively, it's just been a rough year for Tech, which is something that we all predicted, but those numbers will give you the context of just how bad it's been for Tech on offense. Now, number nine, on the defensive side of the ball, they're better than they are offensively, but they are downright abysmal against the run. They're 119th nationally against the run, giving up 214 freaking yards a game, and it doesn't stop there. They're only 108th nationally in stuff rate, and you guys have heard me use that stat before, but if you're new to the show, what stuff rate is, it's the percentage of plays that defense stops at or behind the line of scrimmage. They're 108th nationally in that in that category, which means they're just not disrupting anyone at all. They're not getting teams behind the chains with any sort of consistency and they're also 119th in power success rate again if you're new to the show what power success rate is that is the percentage of plays that are third and fourth down with two or fewer yards to go that you are getting stops on so they're not disruptive at all they're not winning any short yard situations at least not near enough short yard situations 119th nationally in power success rate and and it makes sense when you look at this team when you watch them play they are completely undersized up front and on top of that they're just generally unathletic on defense in the front set in the secondary, we'll get to that in a second here, they're not so bad, but in the front seven, they're just small and they're unathletic. So it makes sense that they're 119th nationally against the run, giving up 214 yards a game. That's crazy, guys. They're actually giving up more yards a game on the ground than we are averaging uh, per game this year running the football. And you you all know that we like to run the football. We've actually not had as much success the past couple weeks because our passing game hasn't been able to complement it. So we've dropped a little under 200 yards a game. We're, I think we're at like 196 yards a game right now on the ground. So if, if you take a team that's terrible against the run defensively and they're matched up against a team that wants to run the football with our offensive line and our running game and with our backs like DeAndre Swift, that's just a tough matchup for Georgia Tech. But the last thing you know about this Georgia Tech team, while they are abysmal against the run, as I just laid out, they've actually been like respectable, pretty good, maybe even better than respectable against the pass. They're 32nd nationally in pass defense, um, and they're 65th nationally in yards per pass. What that tells me is they're doing a pretty good job of defending the pass in general, but they have given up some big plays at times in the passing game. Uh, they're only 107th nationally in sacks, which is which is interesting. Typically, when you have a, a team that's rated as highly as Tech is in their pass defense in the top 40, you usually have at least a, a respectable pass rush, and they just don't have that right now. So if they're not getting after the quarterback very well, but they're still 32nd nationally in pass Stevens, one of the things that tells me is that they're pretty good in the back end. And when you watch them play, they are. Like they have some good players in that back end. The front seven, not so much. But in the secondary, they have some players. And they're led by a guy named Trey Swilling. He's a pretty legit cornerback. I watched him. He kind of stood out to me in that going back to that first game again against Clemson in week one on the ACC network. And we all know Clemson's got some stud wide receivers and Justin Ross and T Higgins and Swilling, you know, he got called for a couple pass interferences in that game, but he held his own and made some plays. I think he had interception in that game and he hasn't really let up throughout the season. He's a good cornerback. And he's certainly a guy that we got to watch for. So while I, I know this is a game where a lot of people in the Bulldog Nation would really like to see us get our passing game on track and build some confidence there heading into the SEC title game next week. I really think the recipe for winning this game is run the ball and run the ball some more, obviously with some play action sprinkled in there. But if we come out and just try to throw all over them, I think we're kind of playing right into their hands. And now with the news with Lawrence Cager going down, I think it just makes even more sense that we just need to run the football. Again, obviously throw the football enough to keep them honest. But if running the football is what we do best and that's what our offense is built on, 
and they are as bad as they are against the run, it almost just makes too much sense to just run the football, protect the football, don't turn it over, and get out of here with a win, a nice, solid, comfortable win, and uh, let's get ready for LSU next week. So uh, those are the 10 things, guys, that you need to know about Georgia Tech. Uh, I know this was kind of an abbreviated show, but I had a little bit of time, a little small win to try to fit in some content for you guys today, so I wanted the best I could to get you something out there. And look, like I said on the preview show earlier in the week, I 100% fully expect Tech to come out there and give us our best shot, like I expect every team to do every single week. It seems to always end up being the case, at least. But Tech's going to empty the kitchen sink. They're not going to hold anything back. I'm fully expecting to see trick plays, going for it on fourth down, onside kicks, like anything and everything they got in their arsenal, I'm expecting to see it. I'm expecting them to come out there and do some things we haven't seen before that we haven't had a chance to prep for. Again, like I said on the previous show, I also wouldn't be surprised they came out and were like actually running some triple option stuff, thinking that we haven't really had a chance to, to prepare for for that this year because we haven't seen it and that would that would not shock me at all it's tech they do weird things uh so you gotta expect that we have to know that's gonna happen but we are clearly 100 as i've spent basically the entire show trying to illustrate to you the better football team so the, there's no reason we should lose this game but there was also no reason we should have lost to south carolina carolina is better than tech but bottom line is if we come out we play to our standard. We don't make critical mistakes. We don't turn the ball over like we did in South Carolina. Uh, we capitalize on the opportunities we, that we get in the red zone on any turnovers that they might give us. If we play good special teams and don't give them like easy setups for scores, then this should be a game that we win comfortably. 28 and a half points is a, it's a pretty steep spread. Uh, but we are certainly capable from a talent perspective of not just covering that spread, by, but maybe even like doubling up the spread if we really wanted to. Now, I don't expect that to happen at all. Again, they're going to give us the fight. This is their Super Bowl. No doubt about it. They're not going to a bowl game. They're going to throw everything at us. We just got to be ready for that. Play smart. Play discipline. Don't play in it all. They're, they're junk and trash talk. They're going to try to get us into. Just go out there and play our game. And we should be fine because basically every single matchup in this game favors us. But uh, we just got to go out there, play discipline, be smart, don't turn the ball over, and we should be good. But uh, all right, guys. I really appreciate the small number of you. I'm sure it's not going to be that many of you because it is a holiday week. But I do greatly appreciate all of you that took time out of your busy day to listen to me here on the show. If you're out Black Friday shopping, uh, good luck. Hope it's not too crowded out there. Please don't get trampled in the stores. That would certainly suck. But I'll leave you guys with this. Tech sucks. We all know it. Don't ever forget that. We will be back to break down the game and all things SEC Championship next week. So make sure to check back for that. But thanks for listening. I'm Tyler. And as always... Go dogs.